Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Bright Kumalo, and tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Zuela Kimguni from Benguela Global Fund Managers and Tamsan Ganeta from Shiloh Capital. Send those questions via SMS to 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at Business Day TV using the hashtag Stockwatch. Gentlemen, um, it's a beautiful Thursday. I'm only saying beautiful because all I can see in my screen is green. And I'm not trying to alliterate there. Yeah. <laughs> Can you give us a market wrap, Tamsang? What's going on? Why are we all of a sudden green? I mean, I'm looking at the JSE here. Um, all the major, you know, indexes are up. I mean, I'm looking at financials, um, you know, the Resi 20 or the Resi 10, whichever one you want to look at, actually, everything is just in the green. Yeah, look, I think market sentiment, um, it comes along with volatility. I think the macro story being that uh, we are repricing and uh, markets are accepting or asset managers and retail investors are accepting um, the changes and the revaluations. Uh, the micro stories are expectations going forward of the world economy and the, and the ex execution that will happen by central banks and, and governments. And of course, Boris Johnson resigning uh, would <laughs> seems to have made people quite happy as well. So I think uh, there's there's a bunch of ma macro trends that are working out that uh, seem to be allowing people to accept uh, the new economic realities. Yeah, no, that's a rather large uh, cocktail you've mentioned. There, we'll try look at each ingredient uh, as we go along. Uh, talking about the ingredients of the cocktail, Mr. Mguni. Um, U.S. markets are also up. Um, obviously, this comes on the back of Fed minutes, which, you know, uh, didn't indicate any more aggressive, uh, you know, policy change than what we've already seen. So the market is like, this is a little bit of optimism. It's still bad news, but it's not as bad as we thought it is. So we're just going to put the risk, risk back on in the market. Or am I reading this wrong? Hey, you know, it's very fascinating that the market from one day to the next it's all speculation about <laughs> what the fed could do what could they do. the reality is uh what we know today inflation is high yeah the fed has to act and and many other central banks not only the fed yes. they all have to act to try and bring inflation under control and that would mean Putting consumption under pressure because consumption is over 60% of, uh, of the global economy, at least in the developed economies. And if you hike interest rates, consumption will come under pressure. That is what's going to put the global economy under pressure. The earnings are not going to look good in the near term. So that's something that we have to, to always keep in the back of our mind. There might be sentiment going up today, going down tomorrow, but I think the reality is in the short term, the market's facing some real challenges. And I think that that that, that needs to be uh, at the back of our minds as we celebrate these things. Yeah, Mr. Mguni is being Mr. Buzzkill there. I mean, I'll take three days of green any day. This is my fourth day of green, so I'll take that. I have not seen that in three months, okay? So I'll, I'll take a bit of positivity here and there. Um, talking about specific stocks, I think it's, it'll be a good time for us to... 
uh, you know, look at, uh, you know, the, these questions because then that's where we, we get to drill down and actually understand where we stand basically with those companies specifically. The first one comes from Jabulo who says, what's happening with JP Morgan? Um, their share price has, you know, fallen in tandem with other um, U.S. stocks. Um, but it says recently it's the only bank or U.S. bank that hasn't actually hiked its dividend. What's going on, Samsung? Um, I think it's basic uh, interest rate hikes, lending, forward looking at revenues. And uh, as, as Zwakile said, listen, Zwelake had said, um, he, he's writing that the forward looking multiples of, of, of the bank, it's one of the larger investment banks. It also has a, a, a retail bank involved with it as well. So it's forward looking multiples, looking at earnings, and in comparison to its peers, how people will make money from the bank. I think also at some point you've got to look at um, wh where the bank is going forward. Uh, there's been a lot of leadership changes since 2008 and Jamie Diamond has weathered that storm. So what's the next step post him uh, and what the bank will look like after uh, all these sort of changes in quantitative easing, interest rates, lending, uh, a, a lower credit market or a smaller credit market or a more expensive one will look like. So it's a it's, I think it's, it's the market voting on JP Morgan in comparison to its peers in, in its ability to drive revenues and thereby dividends and share price. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're talking about their competition, um, Zuelake. You know, Bank of America is at a 52-week low. Citibank, I mean, you can go down to, you know, that rabbit hole of uh, regional banks in the U.S., which they've got over 400 of them. I don't know for what reason, but um, <laughs> it's not looking good for banks. Most of them are at their 52-week lows. I thought the story was, this at least this is what we've been told last year, that um, when interest rates start to increase, you will see that, you know, um, interest income is going to increase in tandem. But what you're seeing is that, you know, deal flow is, is drying up and you know, these banks, you know, um, especially the IP side of things, are not doing as well as they thought they could, which is mostly the driver of earnings. So the, the interest rate story is just, you know, a pie in the sky. Not at all. I think, I think you have to look at the nature of the bank and look at uh, where does it derive uh, most of these, its revenues. Interest rate hikes are fantastic for commercial banks. So the banks that are focused on lending, Yes. Uh, the likes of JP Morgan, City, to some extent, Deutsche, I think the Europeans one uh, have a bit more uh, wealth, bigger wealth uh, companies in their businesses. But broadly speaking, the JP Morgans, the Cities, um, and the Goldman the, Sachs, yeah. Goldman Sachs, those are investment banking kind of businesses. And when interest rates high, are, are high, they, they tend to have less deal flows, as you quite correctly pointed out. So, so there's certainly a, a lot of pressure on the deal flow and the deal pipelines, and that has had an impact on these banks. It's not necessarily that they are not benefiting from interest rates. They are, they are uh, income from the commercial banking side is not as significant as the other side, or at least not as leveraged as the, as the investment banking side. Yeah, no, the, that's a yeah, that's an interesting insight. I like that. Uh, we have a question here on the SMS line, which says, "Hi, I hope you're well. Uh, please ask you know your panel if they think that Aslo Metal will be a stock to invest in, 
considering that the share price is decreasing, do you think that it will be potentially increase to its highs of 10 bucks? I don't think this person knows the history of Metal, but uh, maybe you can tell us the history, Tamsanga, why, you know, it once traded at 10 bucks and why is it trading at, you know, pennies on the rand here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's, it's basically a story of M&A, right? Um, that they, 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 they were the, the, the whole uh, story around iron ore, especially, um, and as well as them being bought out, um, I think it, it leads to a view of the future of the metal, firstly, of iron ore, uh, the refining of it, and then as well as the deals and the structure of the deal that happened to lead leading up to its listing. I think uh, as a stock, uh, uh, we are quite far away from it. I think uh, we don't have a good view of their company operating in that space uh, with current ownership. Uh, so, so, so to, to not just to name and shame. Uh, but I think what's important is to look at the mineral, um, the future of that commodity in South Africa, the ability of Metal to actually mine it profitably, and then the shareholding structure. Um, it was a big deal. Um, the, the big Indian consortium came, bought it, but I think it's a I don't think it's a company that has, especially given what's happening around some of its operations, that has a very bright future ahead of it. Asilo Metal and, and maybe the steel industry, um, Mr. Mguni, do you have any strong thoughts there? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm not that excited when, I, when it comes to such businesses. <laughs> Look, uh, I'm not excited about the business itself. But I think as a component of the economy, I mean, you basically have to look at uh, steel imports or the, the price of uh, uh, imported steel per ton versus uh, what they can sell it. And, and if we take basic, if the price of iron ore stays where it is and the rand is as weak as it is, I mean, they will continue to do well in South Africa. But... Their weakness is that they are not a low-cost producer. So uh, they've cut stuff after the, the acquisitions by the uh, Arcelor Group, but they're still one of the highest-cost producers, and I think that, that that's going to be a challenge for them. So you're basically getting the benefit of uh, uh, the, the macro factors that are supporting the stock. It's not the fundamentals of it. But I have to say the the new CEO, I mean, was at, uh, I think it was at uh, uh, Avenge. I think it's, it's made some improvements, but certainly uh, you you buy a macro uh, story on iron or multiply by the rent. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I think, oh yeah, Samsung, I can carry to, on. To add quickly to that, I think uh, the, the, this, for me, it's you have a a country which has a commodity which is readily available, which is iron ore. Um, and can be mined, and there's experience in mining it well. Um, so when you are the firm that is mining it at a higher cost than other firms in an area that is historically proven to be profitable in a commodity that's also historically proven to be to, to, to be profitable, then there's a key issue, especially in the part of the world where there's a lot of development, where there's a lot of steel demand, um, where countries and, co and companies are building, uh, constructing, yeah. and uh, you are providing that fundamental uh, commodity and still can't produce it at a profitable rate. It, it's, uh, it's not a business <laughs> you want to be in. I've got two questions. One is on City Lodge and the other is on Redefine. So let's start with City Lodge. Um, 
where are we now, you know, where we are today in terms of the balance sheet of City Lodge um, after offloading those two assets in Kenya and um, uh, Tanzania, uh, Mr. Mguni? Look, I think I think there, there is an improvement in the balance sheet. I also think operationally, they did say that the capacity utilization has improved. I think they said it's over 50% now uh, on a month-on-month -month basis. Yeah, but across 46% and then eventually 50%, yeah? Yeah, yeah. so, so I, I do think that uh, there will be some improvement because the operations can generate uh, adequate cash flows to basically service the, the balance sheet requirements. But the, the, the sale of assets has helped and plugged the gap in the short term. But they still have some way to go in terms of their net debt position. Sure. And um, as an investment? <laughs> uh, if you are looking for a leverage play, uh, in other words, uh, uh, if you are not too worried about the short-term risk, uh, I, th I think it, it would be a stock to uh, participate in. I think if business travel uh, picks up or continues to pick up, I think we should see it getting back to uh, comfortable uh, capacity utilization levels. And because they are fixed, they've got a high fixed cost base, they should be able to do very well uh, in the next uh, two years, probably. But don't, don't buy it on a gamble and think that it would go up tomorrow. It might go up tomorrow, but that is not guaranteed. Do I think in two years' time it would be up? I think uh, it would certainly be... Uh, higher than the current level. Look, this story sounds very familiar. It sounds like Sun International in a way, but let's not let's not, <laughs> let's not digress too deeply into that. Dif you know, yeah. Different markets, totally different markets. <laughs> anyway, City Lodge, Tamsang for you. I mean, they own all their uh, hotels, right? So this is why where things are not working out for them, they could actually take what's not working and maybe find a price for it. And if it's right and offload it and maybe pay down some of the debt and keep some in cash. Yeah, I'm with Mr. Mkuni. I think it's a, it's a long-term play. It's a long-term value play. In fact, it's probably a deep value play. Um, you're looking at them turning around along with the macro environment improving where business travel will continue. I think there will be some short-term pain, especially around recession fears. But uh, once we emerge out of that, business travel picks up. I think we'll see some change in the in the free cash flows, uh, in the debt reduction, as well as as well as some profit that's going to emerge uh, from the business. So if 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 you are if you are able to hold on for a long period of time, then go ahead. But as John Maynard Keynes said, uh, it's 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 a hard thing to to to, to hold on to a stock uh, and and remain liquid. So if you are patient, you've got the liquidity, uh, then you can hold on. But if if you are looking for short term gains. Uh, I would say stay away from that share. Yeah, I think the words were that, you know, the market can stay uh, irrational longer. Irrational than longer than you can stay liquid. Exactly. Yes. So it's a, what a shame. Um, talking about properties, uh, we've we got a question here. This is the last one from the SMS line about redefine. Uh, diversified REITs, is there still a space for them in South Africa, Mr. Mguni? Well, in the JSC, I don't know, as an investment in a portfolio. I've got so many questions, actually. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think REITs have a place in the in the market. I think the the question is whether Redefine is the right one to have in the portfolio. Okay. And let's, in my let's, view, let's talk to that. The, my view is that uh, their office exposure is too heavy 
And I do think that uh, they're probably going to they tested the market by uh, converting some of the office uh, uh, assets into residential. I don't think uh, the office market, the way that the world has moved on now to to some extent to be a hybrid uh, environment where we can work from home and work from the office. So we'll require smaller offices, but also we will uh, we will need, uh, uh, you know, we 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 might actually see those uh, offices being converted. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would own uh, really fine. Wait. Have you? Have you? Have, has your team moved to a smaller office yet, Mr. Mguni? Uh, no, we're not. There's still a case there. We are there. not a small company. <laughs> we are not a small company. <laughs> still a, and, and also, second follow-up question. Have you actually been into a residential place like the old Cecil building that has, you know, been converted from office to home? It's a, it's a mess. You don't want that. Tamsang? Uh, <laughs> um, so, so I've got a, a slightly counter-narrative in that. I think we're, we're going to be all forced to go back to the office in one way or another. Yeah. Uh, it may not be how it looked like initially, but uh, I don't see a future in which uh, the office the office block completely disappears. I will ac I will accept an argument that there will be some mixed use of, of office blocks and conversions. I've seen some successful ones, especially what ESCOM has done to some of their buildings in Sunning Hill. They've successfully converted them into very good retail units, uh, residential units. But I think over over the long term, and by long term I'm talking three, 36 months plus, uh, we're all going to go back to our offices. Uh, the pricing will adjust, uh, but I don't see a scenario where we don't. I think the key question is, uh, is redefine the best. I think they've got a good enough commercial real estate uh, business in terms of their malls. Um, but they definitely have to look at the cost base of their offices. So it becomes about the financials and the balance sheet of the business of the REIT, um, how, how they entered into each building and each uh, location. And I think if they manage that debt to equity, their LTVs, and they yeah. actually do that job well, uh, I think there is value. But that's, that's another sort of, as Mr. Mguni would say, a gamble. <laughs> on man on man on management and their ability to do that no look you made it such a terrible uh, example uh, uh taking you know government uh offices and and converting them into you know um residential i mean i think initially most of those buildings were residential and then they converted into offices so it's easy to convert them back if you've been to any government office go to megawatt park go to any government office in durban go to pretoria all of them all of them is just like single rooms. It's insane. But anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think I need to I need to clarify that I don't think offices are going to be eliminated, right? But I do think that if you have the a portfolio mix that is heavily biased towards uh, office. Uh, office, yeah, you're gonna come yeah. under enormous pressure. I yeah, think that's pressure. a point. Yes. I think I think uh, Mr. Netta made a point about uh, the the having to cut costs. The reason why you have to cut costs is that the the rentals are going to revert backwards. So so mm. you're not going to get those uh, uh, rental increases. And unless you can cut costs, you're not going to be able to keep uh, your head above water in that market.
Agreed. Yeah. No, Agreed. no, no. We, I think we're all in the in the same page here, yeah, but we have to get you know differing opinions at the end of the day to make a good show. Um, we, we've got a question in Nasper's process um, about 3.7 billion US dollars oh. could have gone a long way in the same share buyback. Wonder what they used it for. So, um, do you know what he's talking about, um, Mr. Mguni? I don't know. I mean, I, I know that uh, Nasper has said. They will take some cash from Tencent yes. and fund uh, buybacks, uh, and yeah, I mean it's a it's a good strategy to unlock value. But my biggest concern about Nasdaq is that they, what they call the commercial or whatever the classified business, the e-commerce business, I think that business is a low barrier to entry. They they pumping money into that thing, and it will keep losing money. I mean. It's such a low barrier to end the business that they should be actually looking at other ways of monetizing that as part of this whole strategy to unlock value. They 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 started to take money, sell ten cent, uh, invest more into this uh, business. I'm not sure if it's gonna pay out in the long term. In the short term, it's gonna be good for the share price. Yeah, yeah, no. So you're in the camp that's saying, um, you know, I sell down you know the profitable business and i'm left with what exactly which you know it, it's it, it makes logical sense uh, any thoughts on nespa's uh, process tamsanga or or yeah, even even more yeah. fun we could talk about sab zenzele Rabil. yeah I'm, I'm probably not the best person to talk about uh, about process because i've shared my very drastic views on them for a while um but but you have fundamentally you should be happy about what they're doing now because you, you you are not, not happy really previously. Uh, not really like okay so so if if you look at what what Nespers or process is they are a technology and e-commerce investor so they they go out into the market they find businesses and uh, that are growing uh, or in that sector and they invest in them and they bring them to market and enable them to become big businesses uh tencent was one multi-choice was another and they've done well and they've showed they can do it. Now, uh, Bob Van Dyke's sole mandate is financial engineering and closing the NAV gap. Uh, and, and, he's, and he's pissing away uh, the 10 cent value. Um, so I think the, the billions, they had 6 billion that they could have used to do other deals. They've now sold again another three and they're going to continue to, as a shareholder, great, you buy some shares, my shares go up. But in the long term, as an asset, the reason why I buy Naspers is because I believe Long that the management SAP, team is going yeah. to go out there and get good businesses and bring them to the market. Yeah, Not hold to, Tencent and liquidate it and give us, try buy back shares. <laughs> which is financial engineering no, so no, no. i'm not I, i'm not a happy guy no no, no i understand i'd your, like your, to add that no i'd like to add we're, that, we're, that, we're that running out of we're running out of businesses. time <laughs> okay yeah yeah, yeah. and <laughs> i was saying their track record at buying business is shocking oh, Man, oh that, well. they, if you aggregate all the amount of money that they pay in acquisition the only winner there has only been tencent there's nothing else Actually, that's that's a tough one because there's uh, yeah. Look, if we get into that's that, the, that's venture capital. Yeah, exactly. If, that's if, the model of capital. <laughs> yeah, if we get into that argument as asset managers, <laughs> spend the whole day. Uh, uh, stock picks for the evening. Oh, no. uh, we've got thirty seconds each. Samsung. Uh, Invictus Energy in Australia. Um, the exploration in Zarevan and Zimbabwe has found that there's more oil and gas than they previously anticipated. Uh, so we might have another. 
uh, oil and gas find in southern Africa. Well, interesting, but I'm not worried about um, the South Africans living in London trying to block that deal. Uh, not at all. I think over time uh, they'll realize that uh, the value for the uh, shareholders in Australia as well as the domestic economy will far outweigh their concerns. Okay, cool. As we like 30 seconds for you. Stock pick? I'm in the fossil uh, space too. Uh, I'm going with Exado. Uh, I think uh, it's a the, the death of coal has been prematurely pronounced. And I, I think uh, we've got a long way to go with coal. It's a business that's got secure contracts with ESCOM uh, predominantly, but there, there is scope for them to increase their export business. Uh, I certainly think that there, there would be potential. And they've got Session uh, uh, iron ore business. That that business continues to deliver very good returns for them. Okay, fantastic. So we're going with old school, dirty fossil fuels, uh, which is Invictus <laughs> Energy on the one hand, and the other hand we've got Exaro. <laughs> Coal for the wind and oil for the wind. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, thanks to my guests, Zuela Kimguni from Benguela Global Fund Managers, and Tamsang Naneta from Shiloh Capital. Joins tonight with the Friday edition of Stock Watch. That's tomorrow at nineteen thirty. Have a good evening. Thank <laughs> you.